Hallelujah. You know, there's a place of quiet. There's a place of silence in worship. There are some unspoken acts of worship that can take place in moments of worship. That's why sometimes you you just have this attitude that is reverential to God in terms of maybe defying your heads, closing your eyes, lying down, kneeling down, rolling on the floor, or lifting up what the Bible calls holy hands. All of these things acts of worship. Worship is not only when we verbalize it or vocalize it. Sometimes they are unspoken. Sometimes you're on the phone with somebody and then your dad or your mom or your boss or Anybody that you owe some respect passes by, but you are on the phone with somebody and uh, you want to say a car or something, but you are with the, with the other person on the phone. So with the phone on your ears, you just say, that one will just pass. He has eyes. He can see you are on the phone with somebody. But you couldn't say a carousel, but you bowed your head. He understands that. That's an act. It's an act of greeting. The body language tells him you are honoring him. You are respecting him. You are greeting him. That's why sometimes we feel like kneeling down when we are worshiping God. Doesn't mean it's wrong to sometimes not kneel down. You can you can stand and lift up holy hands. Standing. You can kneel, you can lie down your tummy. But let it be that the state of your heart is worship. That's the state of your heart. And that is mostly what God looks at. He looks at our hearts. It is just that our hearts or rather our acts most of the times depict our state of heart. Really it's the heart God looks at. So when you do like this your body is just doing it like this. But if you are just joining others to also do like that, but your heart is not there, God is, is not going to accept that. And then sometimes he wants you to be quiet. After singing, praying, worshiping, there will be a time he will want you to have some silence. Don't even say a thing. Just be calm, be quiet. Because this time around he wants to drop some things, some vital 
things in your human spirit. He wants to talk back so that it's not just a monologue, it becomes a dialogue. You've been speaking to him how you feel. Oh God, you are mighty, you are wonderful, you are so good, you're so kind, we love you, we appreciate you. At the point, he will really desire that you keep calm and then he will drop some things quietly in your spirit. So as we grow in the things of God, one of them is the act of worship, we begin to learn sometimes how to be quiet. That's why sometimes you tell the kids, don't come to the room, go watch TV downstairs. Because you're alone in the room, you want to really spend some time worshiping God. And they are coming and making noise. You say, go downstairs, please, son. Before God. When you train your children like that, they will know, oh, daddy and mommy, they know what, they, they, they value being before God. Alone. Amen. Okay. Good to see each and every one of you here today. I'm glad to see you making it to church again. No one can love me the same way that you do, Jesus. No one can love me the same way that people can love me. Your wife can love you. Your husband can love you. Your son, your daughter can love you. But not to the degree that God loves you. No one can love me the same way that you do. Nobody loves me the same way that... Two more times. No one can love me the same way that you do. No one can love me same way oh, no one can love me no one can love me no 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 one more can no one can love me the same way that you do hallelujah amen please be seated Let's bring our Bibles out and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 12. Amen. Matthew chapter 12. Have you found it? Okay. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's read. Verses 43, 44. And 45. Matthew 12, 43, 44, and 45. Can I read? When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says to himself, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is calm, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goes he and takes with himself 
seven other spirits, seven other demons, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Let's cut it off right there. Let's cut it off right there. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest. And he finds none. And then he says, I will return to the house out of which I came. And then when he's come, he finds it empty, swept, gone. Somebody say, empty. Say, empty. Say, swept. Garnished. Empty, swept, and garnished. Okay. I have titled what I'm sharing with you simply as, clean it up, fill it up. Clean it up. Fill it up. That's the title of the message. Clean it up, fill it up. Jesus said, whenever you cast out a demon from his victim, whenever you, oh, wait a minute. You need to understand that Anybody that a demon indwells is a victim. Anybody that carries a demon around knowingly or unknowingly has become a victim. And when he is ministered to And that unclean spirit, that demon, is cast out of him. The demon goes through what is spiritually described. Dry places. Places of discomfort. In the the realm of the spirit. Not Sahara Desert. Like some so-called deliverance minister make us believe. And then they will say, you demon, come out of him and go into the bottomless pit. They are not to do that. No human being does that. There's one being, a celestial being called Angel Michael who will do that. And he hasn't even done it yet. He will be instructed by God to cast out Lucifer into the bottomless pit. That, that is shortly before Jesus descends from heaven with the raptured saints. When Jesus is about to come back to this world, to rule this world for a thousand years, he doesn't want to be doing that with devil and his demons hanging around. While he's in heaven preparing to come back down, he instructs Angel Michael, flush the heavenlies and the earth of every demon. Cast them into the bottomless pit. Because I am coming to the earth. To rule for 1,000 years. When he came the first time. Born as a little boy by Virgin Mary. And grew up. Lived for 33 and a half years. And went to the cross and died. He 
did not cast any devil into any bottomless pit. In the presence of those demons, in the presence of those his enemies, he made a full proof, made a huge success of his earthly ministry. He did things, he went through the demons in spite of them. When he was going about his father's business, he encountered demons and he just cast them out and went about doing good. He didn't have to cast them into a specific place, a specific spiritual or geographical location. He just said, come out of him in Jesus. Come out, that's all he said. You deaf and don't speak, come out of him. He didn't tell them where to go to, just come out. It's their business where to go. They can't go to the third heaven. They can choose any other places in this realm. So when you see pastors say, I, I command you demon, come out of him and go to Kalahari, Kalahari Desert or Sahara Desert or into the bottomless pit. No, that's going too far. That's not your, your jurisdiction. That's not part of your job description. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you catching something? When your clean spirit is gone out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And then usually they find none. They find no rest. And then that means serious discomfort. It's like just catch a fish out of water and drop it on a hot sandy beach. The fish is going to be uncomfortable and want to roll back into the water. That's the way demons do. They always want to go back to the human beings that have been their dwelling places. So the case of man is somehow Demons are struggling to inhabit man. You cast them out, they say, no, I'm going back. Look at the audacity. The demon is talking. Jesus said, he says to himself, I will return to the house from whence I came. An insult. Demons referring to human beings as their houses. No marvel. Anyway, let's copy the positive spirit realm. God said, I will dwell in people. You will become temples of my Holy Spirit. We have become carriers of God. Anybody here having Jesus Christ in you? Christ in you. And the Holy Ghost in dwelling you. You have become a mobile temple of the Holy Ghost. So we carry the Holy Ghost around. He lives in me. He lives in you. And that's where demons got the idea from. They dwell in people too. They call those people their homes. Please, try all that you can to not let a demon live in your house as an illegal tenant. Or rather live in you as a house. As an illegal tenant. It's an insult. I have made up my mind, I will never allow a demon indwell me. I will never allow a demon indwell me. Say that if you believe it. No. I think we will have to say that one more time until it sinks. You know, repetition is the law of deep and lasting impression. I, I say that 
I will never meet Pastor Theo. I made up my mind. I will never allow a demon live in me. No, 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 no way. Say that one more time. I will never allow a demon live in me. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he goes through dry places. He can rest and then he says to himself, I will return to the house out of which I came. The Bible says when he comes, this is usually what he meets. Surprisingly, this is what he meets. Let's read verse 44. Then he says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he finds it empty, swept, garnished. One more time. Empty. Swept. Garnished. When this unclean spirit comes out of a human being, they they leave it with traces of filth. When somebody packs out of a house, move his furniture and everything, by the time you that is trying to enter, come you will see that you have to do some lot of cleaning and repainting and all that. The telltale signs of how they lived in this house before you came will be there. So, when an unclean spirit goes out of a person, if you have a spiritual microscope to look into his heart, you will see a lot of debris and deposits of things. But the demon that was there is gone. And the demon says, I'll go back, I'll go back. Chances are that nobody has taken over the property since I left. So if you were able to look into the heart, you will see it's looking clean, but it has some dirt, filth. But the demon is gone. And then quickly, you tell the person, you need Jesus. You need Jesus because the devil will try to come back and repossess you. Don't let it be empty. That's the most dangerous word there. Empty. Because demons will certainly come back. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you before that you were delivered last year in this church. Doesn't mean that the demons have not tried before today, between then and now, to come back to repossess you. And if they succeeded in coming back to repossess you, you are to blame. Not the pulpit. Because you are told to keep your heart with all diligence. That's in Proverbs chapter 4. Keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart. Don't let your human spirit be a thoroughfare or a free entry kind of a place for all manner of spirits, unclean spirits. Don't let it be. Guard your heart like a security man. With all diligence, I'm not going to let no devil possess my life. I'm not going to let no, it's an insult. 
Jesus died for me. I am bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. No demon spirit died for me. He can't lay claim to any part of me. If you allow him, he will be willing to possess you if you allow him. Each time the demons come around, they peep, they look at us, they gnash their teeth. Oh, they say we can't possess these people. They find that we are not empty. That's the word I'll keep emphasizing there. We are not empty. Jesus has taken up his abode in the quarters of our hearts. Jesus lives in me. Put your hands on your chest and say, Jesus lives in me. Of course, these demons know that you are the one that needs to be reminding yourself. Jesus lives in me. And so, he comes and he peeps. He finds that when he left, he's coming back. The place is not like he left it. Another power, another personality has taken over. There's a new sheriff in town. Ownership has changed hands. See of all. See of all that Jesus has over our lives. His resurrection. That's it. Or you say his death, burial, and resurrection. With full ratification with his blood. The stamp. The stamp that was used to seal it up. Is his blood. He purchased me. I belong to him. The devil is an intruder. If he tries to come back and stay in me. But when he finds you empty. He says, oh my God, whatever that's what they say. I don't know what demons say anyway. But whatever they say to exclaim or they, when they are happy, he says, oh my, my, he's still empty. I will not just rush and repossess because when I was here alone, it was easy for that higher power to drive me out. I think I need to regroup or recoup or reinforce. So he goes out this time. I'm not going to make the same mistake again. He tells seven other spirits. Man, you know what? We've, I just found out a place. I went to spy my former house. But it's still empty. But I don't want to take chances. Can you follow me to go repossess? And they come like area boys. And they invade that person. Jesus. If you were managing one demon in your life. And that demon managed to mess you up big time. And the pastor came and cast the demon out of you. And now in your carelessness, you allow the demons have a chance to go get seven more wicked spirits. Each of those demons is more wicked than himself. Each of those seven demons is already more wicked than himself. Now Jesus said, woe is that man that is repossessed. You know what Jesus said? He said the latter state of that man is worse than the first. You so-called deliverance ministers, never rush to cast out devil from his victim if you are not ready to preach Jesus at least a few minutes. When you command the devil to come out and you see the demon has left, tell the person that just been delivered, sit down. Deliverance is not complete until Jesus comes into your life. 
Because if you just yank out a demon from him and go your way, he goes his way. You don't live in his house. He came to church and you cast the demon out. He goes home six days out of a week only to come Sunday morning. He's coming by more messed up than he was last Sunday. Because within the week, those demons went and came back. So the pastor smartly says, hey, you that have been delivered, wait behind. And then you start telling him, you know what about Jesus? You need to have Jesus into your life. He died for you. He loves you. He washed your sins. If you give him your heart, your name is going to be written in the book of life. He will come and live in you by the spirit. You become born again, recreated a brand new species of being and all that. And then that makes sense. And he says, what can I do to be saved? Just simply believe in your heart. What I just shared with you that Jesus is Lord. And then say it accordingly. And then he says, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Jesus, I ask you right now to please come into my heart. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Now I can boldly say I am a child of God. When you say that, you are going home after service. A seriously delivered person. Seriously, completely delivered. Because those demons left and the higher power Jesus came. Not the demons left, no other power comes. Those demons will come back and stay. Now even the coming of a higher power doesn't stop the demons from coming back to check. They will come back but they will find no vacancy. Somebody say Amen. Say, devil, listen to me, devil. There is no vacancy for you in my life. Oh, these demons, if anybody ever tell them they can possess Pastor Theo, they are just being forewarned. No devil has access to leave, to even enter me. Are you enjoying, you enjoying this stuff? Yeah, we can enjoy ourselves. It's the plain truth. That's the word of God for you. What do you do to make sure you are not empty if a demon was cast out of you? You need to fill it up with something. Or with another being. That's why I titled the message Clean it up. Fill it up. Not just clean it up. Fill it up. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Praise God forever. Oh Lord God, have mercy. Verse 16. Colossians 3 verse 16. Can I read it? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let's cut it off right there. Amen. Tell anybody, let the word of God dwell in you richly, not scantily. Some of you are managing small, small volume of God's word. What do you think a banker will call a rich bank account? 
or a healthy, healthy bank account. What do you think they, they are talking about when they say that? Your account officer says, ah, this account is healthy. The credit outweighs the debit or whatever. I don't know how to. Some, or the, something like that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. That's the only way you don't have a vacuum in your heart. When a demon goes out of somebody, quickly introduce the person to Jesus Christ so that Jesus comes and stay. The Jesus coming there is staying in the person's spirit. Because that's where the demons were living. And you can't understand this until you remember the man is a tripartite being. Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Think about not tubeless tire, your tires with you. Think about the rim, then the tube, then the tire. Now use that to imagine how man was created by God. This outward body we are seeing is not us. It's our house. It's like you wear a garment. When I get home, I'm going to pull this cloth and drop it. So the, the cloth is not me. What I'm wearing is not me. What you are wearing is not you. In fact, your haircut is not you. You have a soul. In your soul, the mind is there. The will is there. The emotion is there. The Entity called soul comprises of the mind, the will, the emotion. That's what is called the soul of man. Now, the spirit is the seat of life. The soul is the capital of personality. Is the seat of personality. You behave different from the way I behave. See things different from the way I see things because of the difference in our soul realm. But in our spirits, if we have all accepted Christ, we are the same. Nobody is more righteous than the other. Jesus lives in me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. But the other guy is behaving according to that knowledge. That he is the righteousness of God in Christ. And so he walks in his true consciousness of sanctification and righteousness. The other one is not. He's not looking into the perfect Love, liberty. He's like a man that looks at himself in the mirror and sees who he is, what he looks like. And then when he turns away from the mirror, he begins to ask people, what do I look like? I can't remember if I'm dark skinned or fair skinned. I can't remember how my nose is. They said, Don't, didn't you look at the mirror? Say, oh, let me go back, sorry. Then you look at the mirror. Say, oh, okay, I know. When you look at the word of God, it tells you that you are just as righteous as Jesus is righteous. Because Jesus lives in you. He deposited his full scale righteousness inside of your spirit. You are as righteous as Jesus is righteous. In your spirit. But letting it show in your character that people observe is a different thing. And that's why a lot, this is where a lot of Christians have issues. Let the righteousness that is in your spirit let it show in your actions, in your, in your way of talking, your way of reasoning. Because you are going to use the word of God to renew your mind 
And be not conformed to this world's tradition and customs and philosophies. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Wait a minute. When God looks at some Christians, he sees your credit balance in the mind realm. How much of God's word is in your soul? Some 30%. Some 5%. Some 90%. He said, let Christ's word, like I'm teaching now, if you imbibe these teachings and hide them in your heart, oh Lord God, let this word control the way you think and talk and act and how you treat fellow human beings. God is love. Be conscious of that. Treat people as love for he that loveth not knows not God. If, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Let the word of Christ. Oh, God knows there are some of you here today when he looks with his spiritual eyes into your heart or your soul. He sees some of you scantily fed. Your souls are hungry for the word. Some are full of God's word. Some are almost full. When the devil, but just let the devil come and look and see that you are not empty. Tell your neighbor, please don't be empty. In as much as we say, please don't be possessed by demons. When the demons leave you, please don't stay empty. Now, how do you fill it up? Put in Jesus there and then after putting Jesus, take his word there. Then you have a maximum load of God. No, it's not even yet maximum. Then when you put in the word of God there, you are ready to do one more thing. Receive the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 19. That should be our last place to read right now. Let's quickly look at Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. Have you seen it? Verses 1 and 2. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples there, he said, he asked them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you became born again? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you became a Christian? Because even if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are already a Christian, at least. You can make heaven if you are not yet speaking in tongues. You can. If Jesus is there, pastor says next Sunday I will minister Holy Ghost. And between now and next Sunday, rapture takes place. Those who got saved today, but they are not speaking in tongues, waiting for next Sunday to start speaking, they will make heaven on Wednesday. So it's not only those who speak in tongues that make heaven. Wait, did I get it clear? It's not only those who speak in tongues that can make heaven. Once you receive Jesus, you are qualified for heaven. Now, speaking in tongues is an endowment of power. It's like a policeman. They have not given you a gun. But they have enlisted you. They have given you the uniform. They say the, 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 the man with the key to the armory is late for work. So, one man has the key to open the place and bring out gun. Because you are not yet holding a gun, doesn't mean you are not a policeman. Once you receive Jesus, you are a Christian. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are now empowered. 
if you are a Christian, you are authorized. As many as received Jesus, he gave power to become. He gives authority. He gave authority, right, exousia in the Greek, to become children of God. That's John 1.12. Then in Acts 1.8, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, if a policeman is standing, no gun, you see the federal government authority conferred upon him by the uniform he's wearing, NPF. The uniform tells you he's authorized. Then the gun in his hand shows you he's empowered. That's why they talk about superior firepower. A policeman without a gun is still a policeman. He's still having the right to be a police, but he has no power. A man without a uniform just carrying a gun, walking down your street, is going to cause alarm. Some of you will pick the phone and call a policeman say, hey, hello, uh, on a street, I've observed from my window, one guy, it looks like a hoodlum, is brandishing a gun up and down, and that's carrying the neighborhood. Why did you call the police? You saw a man with power, that's the gun, but no uniform, meaning he's, he has no authority. And robbers have power, but they lack authority. Now, policemen have authority, but he may not carry the power if there's no gun around, if they don't give him gun. The man with the key to the armory is late for work. That he's not having power doesn't mean he's not a policeman. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit does not mean you're not a Christian. If you receive Jesus, you are a child of God. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If the rapture trumpet sounds that self same second, you sound. Without having received the Holy Spirit. But you have received Jesus. That authorizes you. Now, because you haven't yet received the Holy Ghost, means you are a powerless Christian. But at least you are a Christian. The powerless Christian can still rapture. Now, when you receive the Holy Ghost, he gives you power. It's the Holy Ghost that brings power. We are operating here with generators. Is that correct? There's a power generating set at the back of this church. You don't see the power generator. But we can see the fans turning. You can hear the microphone talking because there is electrical power. What the current, that's current. Electrical power is current. What the current is to the generator is what the anointing is to the Holy Ghost. You don't see the Holy Ghost, but you can feel the impact of that anointing. You don't see the generator at the back of this church. You can see the fans turning. My God, there sure is power in this place. Electrically speaking, put your hands together for Jesus. That's why it's called electrical power. And then I'm doing what I'm doing, ministering under the unction of the Holy Ghost. There's a Holy Spirit in me and upon me, energizing me to talk and minister. I am here and somebody said, fire is coming out from Pastor Tio's mouth. Now, if Jesus comes into the same heart that once carried a demon, now you loaded it with the word of Jesus again, you are getting full. Then you can't receive Holy Ghost joiner. This is maximum load of divinity. This is maximum load of spiritual power. There is a capacity inbuilt in man who is regenerate to carry God. Oh Lord God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, 
And then he asked those guys, have you also received the Holy Ghost since you became Christian? They said, oh, very shocking answer. They said, we've not even heard that there is any such thing as the Holy Ghost. That's what one translation says. But the King James before us said, we've not even so much as heard that there be any Holy Ghost. Jesus, those were some new Christians. Paul said, wait a minute. You said you've never heard that there's a Holy Ghost? They said, no, what we were told is that there's a Jesus to believe. We first believe there is God. And they told us God alone is not enough. That we must receive Jesus. And now we receive Jesus. And you are coming to tell us there is a third one. Oh yes, the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. The same way you received Jesus and became Christians, you need to consciously receive the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you've taken the full dose of raw holy power. Shout amen if you believe it. Tell your neighbor, complete the dosage. Is it dosage or dosage? They said this tablet, one in the morning, one in the evening. One in the morning, one in the evening. It's supposed to finish after five days. You take it, one in the morning, every 24 hours. Will it work? It will work well. And then you'll be blaming the tablet. Blaming the nurse or the doctors who prescribed it. You didn't take it. You didn't complete the dosage. Now, you are a Christian. You believe in Jesus. Okay, oh, you are ready to make heaven now. But there is something lacking in your life. In this world, devil, demons have more respect for Christians that have completed their dosage. If you receive Christ and you have not received the Holy Ghost, demons know. They have spiritual eyes. And when they want to deal with Christians in the church, they are looking for softer targets. They are looking for soft target. They are looking for those Christians. Yes, they are Christians. They have received Jesus quite alright. Their names are in the book of life. But they are the ones easier for Satan to attack. Because there is no Holy Ghost power. And then when they attack the church, you are the one that is easily rocked off. Some Christians have more spiritual resistance. Because they have received the Holy Ghost. They have completed the dosage. God the Father, the Son, Holy Ghost. Now, wait a minute. Let me tell you this. By the, he said, he said, we close our services by saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, somebody say Jesus. The love of God, say God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. When Paul prayed that prayer in his concluding chapter, the penultimate verse, that's 2 Corinthians 13, the last two verses, when he said, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. What he was saying is, may the maximum load of God be with you 24-7. May you not be half filled, half empty. Oh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus. Why do we say it when we are about to close the service? We are living church, but I don't want to be divested of God's presence. Throughout the remaining six days of the week. Monday through Saturdays. I am outside of church. But I must carry the love of God with me. I must carry the grace of Jesus with me. I must keep romancing the Holy Ghost. Till I come back to church next Sunday. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Till I see you next Sunday morning again. Clap for Jesus if you caught something there. Maximum load. Complete the dosage. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. What happened?
happened here last Sunday? This boy just got admission. But he's been behaving unruly towards the parents. Became heavy, stubborn, and you could tell a foul, contrary spirit had indwelt this guy, a teenager. That's not the way to raise a child. You were going to contribute to the problem of campus. There is courtism on campus. And a lot of those guys became court members on campus. Now, I have two sons and they're in the university. I don't know if you... Now, listen. I'm explaining something. When they're talking about courtism on campus, school authority, the school authority is having a headache. It is not the children of Pastor Theo. The law against courtism on campus was not written because of those two children. Do you know what Paul said? He said, for the law was not made for a righteous man. He said, but for the lawless, for the ungodly, for this, for that. Now, the law that thou shalt not carry cocaine, whatever the, what law that is in Nigeria. Under what law that is, hard drugs or nabda, blah, blah, those things. NDL and all that. That law wasn't made because of me. No, I'm not a drug dealer. The law was made because there are drug dealers. And that's why you can't see in the Bible where he said, thou shalt not smoke. Because as at the time they were writing the Bible, in fact, this New Testament is still less than 2,000 years old. Even all those Genesis and all that is still less than 6,000 years old. As at that time, smoking had not been discovered among human beings. Drinking is older. In Genesis, a man called Noah already drank alcohol and took excess of alcohol and misbehaved and caused problems for one of the children. Noah didn't smoke. Now, the tobacco leaves have always been in creation. Satan did not create those Igbo leaves that people are smoking. It is God that created what they use in making heroin and cocaine now, what they are saying that if you are found with cocaine, you'll be arrested. They are saying you will take cocaine and heroin in a way that is illegal, in a way that is not prescribed by medical experts. Because by the time you take those uh, uh, what the Indian hemp, cannabis, I think that's the botanical name. Now, by the time you, you, you dry it up, take a sheet of paper, and you wrap it up, and then you put matches, and you start smoking everywhere, it's smelling. The way you are taking it is, in, is wrong. But the government knows that Indian hemp is used in pharmaceutical industries. God is so wise that man will need the substances from it for their drugs that we eat. God, oh, I create Indian hemp. But he didn't say you should abuse it. He said use it. But there is no, no you are not supposed to take it by yourself. It's prescribed by medical expert. And it is not given to smoke with matches. Lord God have mercy. Clap for Jesus. So, uh, somebody say, uh, show me, where did the Bible say thou shalt not smoke? The Bible cannot say thou shalt not smoke because God never saw anybody smoke. But he said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess because God has that scripture is far, far older than the experience of drunkenness. That scripture is far, far uh, uh, newer. It is when God saw what abuse of alcohol would do, then he now made a law against it in the Bible. But God never saw anybody smoke. He didn't say, thou shall not smoke. 
But you will now say, okay, if Baba didn't say thou shalt not smoke, should I smoke? No. They will tell you even smoking. Now, we will no longer be quoting Bible now. We will now quote laws of uh, either hygiene or nutrition or health. They will say smokers are liable to die young. They are more prone to cancer. You don't even want to invite sickness to yourself and be quoting, uh, he didn't say thou shalt not smoke. So, that would be common sense. But I have seen somebody who smoked and received the Holy Ghost with smoking coming from his mouth. Mika was praying for him. He was, I was barely able to hold my breath. But he still received Holy Spirit. Do you know how it happened? On campus, we were preaching. The guy was going to library, you know, and I was preaching. One of those lecture halls were having fellowship on campus. And I was preaching. And as he's going with his books, he, he heard, uh, no, I wasn't preaching. He heard choir singing. And the music really dropped drum. It's more than you're preaching. And so she entered. PD Hall in Ekoma. PD Hall. So she, he came in and sat down. And then, I think from what he later told me, he just was smoking while he was watching us. And then finally he said, make her enter. And they enjoyed that music. Dropped the cigarette or whatever. The way that guy was smelling, I think it's more than normal cigarette. Maybe now he goes self. And he entered. And I preached. How many want to give life to Jesus? And he ran out. Others came out. He came out. He had just finished smoking Indian hymn, I guess. Said this, Jesus is Lord. Blah, blah, blah. And they got born again. I said, before you go back to your seat, I want to minister the Holy Ghost. I used to do a lot of things. First. I don't want to send you home powerless. You're already children of God. Now you have authority. But you need power. And then, that state of hunger for the Holy Ghost. I say, in Jesus' name, receive, receive, receive. And I lay hands. People started going under the anointing. Not everybody. And, but almost all of them were speaking in tongues. And then, I had congregation to stop praying along. Let me pick the voices of these ones that just received the Holy Ghost. So I stuck the microphone into each recipient's mouth. So the church can know these ones standing have received. Then, when I got close to this one, his soul was really violent. I'm like, man, let me pick this. I can know it the cup of mouth. Put the microphone. Their tongues, but they were loud. But his bow was still smelling in his mouth. So when I got close, I, smelled, I took my head back. And then Pastor Ken was standing and uh, the other lady pastor. I was okay, I said, well, what was that? Because the way I went back, I said, but that guy mouth they smell. Now, I wasn't saying that with microphone, so the audience didn't know what I'm saying. It's two pastors standing. He said, why did you do that? I said, man, that guy smell. smell. He said, what do you mean? I said, no, nobody say no brush. Nah, you know, cigar or you go smoke. He said, okay, okay. Then we, after the service, we discussed that on our way home. That tells us, it's not the way we are treating, we condemn people too quickly. Oh, the smoker, you are going to hell. This guy just dropped cigar at the entrance to the church. And a few minutes later, God bore him witness that he's accepted by heaven because the Holy Spirit comes from heaven. The Holy Spirit is not given to unbelievers. The Bible said, don't cast your pearls before swines. The Holy Ghost is holy. Don't give it to unholy people. Before you ever receive the Holy Ghost, you are already a holy man. Jesus came in making you righteous and holy. Then you qualify for the Holy Ghost. Even with your mouth smelling cigarette. Wow! Hallelujah! Now let me 
One of that aspect. 2005 was preaching in Marshall, Texas. I was preaching in the church in the US. And that guy leading the choir is also a keyboardist. He was playing beautifully well. I'm like, man. And then he started speaking in tongues at a point. Even when leading. Keyboardist speaking in tongues. And then I started preaching. And I even referred to how his tongues and everything about him blessed me. But when we shared the grace, just by the corner of the church, I saw the guy that was playing keyboard and speaking to him, smoking cigarette. And then, you know, now, if anybody in this church, after we close, decide to smoke cigar after service, you, do, you don't have the boldness to stand just by the door and be doing it. And then you see your guest speaker coming out and instead of you to quickly hide, that pastor will preach to the night. They No, he, he, he was a, yeah. Brother Theo, see you next time. When, when else are you coming to America? I, I sure enjoy your preaching, man. God bless you. Let's go. But I was so shocked. That was the first time I ever saw somebody speaking in tongues and he's also holding cigarettes. There's what you call culture shock. When you come to a new place, you will be shocked with the way they do things there. And you will condemn them for things, you will condemn them for, for things that are wrong counter to your own culture. But when you start living with them, very soon you also start behaving like them. One white man, I met him at Tantalaza and Marshall Surrey, my pastor friend and his American white friend. You know, he brought them to a tantalizer. Then myself, I just went there to eat the one in Marshall Surulere. And then I saw the lady friend, uh, the lady pastor friend say, hey, how are you doing? So I'm fine. I said, it's like you have some American guests. You know, I've stayed with these U.S. people. I know their mentality. The white man, you know, was standing. said, I need, I need that. And I said, excuse me. You from the United States? He said, what state? I said, well, I've reached your state. So really? And so we talked. I said, I know you must have experienced some culture shock. What are they? He looked at me and said, Culture shock? Mm-mm. Driving shock. That, those are his words. He said, Driving shock. Ooh, I started laughing. He said, Yes. Never seen the people go drive crazy like you Nigerians do. Oh, no. They were taking me from the hotel to where I'm going to preach. And the way the driver was driving. My heart was almost jumping into my mouth. And I started praying on the back seat. Oh Lord God, please let me make it back to the United States. I want to see my wife one more time. I don't want to die in this country. Lord, if you can grant this my prayer request. I just want to kiss my wife one more time. What? Somebody is praying that in Nigeria. He, he was not sure he would make it back to it. Because the way we drive here. Did that for us. And the white man, he said, man, he's starting, he's starting to drive. Are we safe? Are we safe? And then the motor is coming to brush you. I cannot do leg like this. Oh, hey. Oh, she never went And the white man, the white man is almost peeing in his boxer. And then when you see him turning green or blue or black, you the Nigerian driver say, ah, what did they do to the Iboma? You must say, you mean you're not scared? No, no, no. He's, he's not, not going to hit us. Oh, no, he was close. No, he, they are not going to hit us. 
No, he was close. Oh, yeah. But we know ourselves. And so, me said, they drive sometimes. Now, just because I carry you, that's why. If you're not chance me, you're because of you, you put my day inside my motor. <laughs> Let's clap for Jesus. Somebody can be smoking and make heaven. Especially if they are young converts. The more you grow in Christianity, you will start knowing that this smoking is an untrained habit that I should drop. But not being able to drop it yet can't take you away from heaven. That will sound controversial. But I don't smoke myself. But I know, you know, that one has its place. And why some people may still be struggling with smoking and all of that. And they will still make it if they've given their heart to Jesus. But it's always better not to smoke. So even doctors will tell you that. You know, Jesus can just leave all that. Amen. Now, that guy that I prayed for on Sunday had a demon in him. That experience he narrated here. You remember I gave him the microphone standing here? He said that thing started when he was just 10 years old. I guess he's about 18 now or 19. 18. That boy was going to be a problem in Unibet. Because my Kepere saw the boy dressed like a ruffian, tying scarf, and he, is, he was going to be an occult guy on campus. He is not yet in the occult, but there is a spirit in him that was deposited in him when he was 10 years old and was looking for the right atmosphere to blossom. Your son had those demons expelled from him last Sunday. Put your hands together for Jesus. That is why you can never remunerate a pastor enough. Whatever offering or tithe you are able to give, give it with all your heart. God will accept it. But always know no matter what you give, it can never pay for the services a man of God renders. I'm talking about one single act of praying here for a few minutes. I said every foul spirit that have messed up this boy's life. Making him a thorn in the flesh of the parents. And he's about to go and be a problem compounding the walls of, uni- of Unibet authority. Ah! And those demons left. Where did they go to? We didn't see the demons are spiritual. They left him. I didn't tell them to go to anywhere. It's their business to go and locate anywhere. But they must not come back. But they will try. They will say, we will go back to that house. And I knew that before I will ever see that boy again, they were going to school a couple of days after that Sunday. That was, I, I hardly do that. And I'll create a separate service for Holy Ghost Mystery. But I heard the Holy Ghost said, do it now. The demons, they are angry that they've just been expelled from this boy. And you, before you even make it to your house, they will come back. But put the Holy Ghost in there. If there is a clean up exercise, there is a filling up exercise. Put the Holy Ghost within this child, said the Holy Ghost. He said, put the Holy Ghost inside this boy. Demons are out now. He's a new person. The boy said, Jesus, come into my life. How come he was saying that when he has always been in church every Sunday? He was not a Christian. 
He was only following mommy and daddy to well, mommy, daddy doesn't even come. You don't have to impress me. Impress God. I don't own your life. God owns you. And if God is angry with you and I am happy with you, you are still in danger. We have so many pastors that brethren are happy with. Oh, I like his kind of preaching. He doesn't offend anybody. He doesn't mention somebody's name when he's preaching. No, I'm different. I mention your name. I prefer to have God say to me when I'm done preaching and I go home. And God said to me, Seth, you, I was so proud of you in heaven seeing you preach. You are telling them the truth. I, I prefer to have God tell me, thank you, well done, son, than for you to say, ah, pastor, I like when you they preach, you know, they offend us. No. If 100% I can please you, somewhere I'm displeasing God. Because it's impossible to 100% impress man. Jesus Christ said, woe is you if all men speak well of you. That boy received Jesus here last Sunday. And instead of saying, go back, I heard the Lord say, no, no, no. Give him a full dose. I said, now nah, you can receive the Holy Ghost. Everybody watch me. This is not a secret cult. It's an open church. I do things openly. And I laid hands. I said, receive the Holy Ghost. And that guy went under the anointing and was speaking in tongues here. Do you in 1988, I was in 200 level in the university. I had to travel all the way from Lagos State to come and minister Holy Ghost in a church in Lagos. I traveled from it. I, exams were closed. I said, God, I will study. But let me go and minister to people in Lagos. My lecturers used to wonder, wonder whether I was a full-time student or a full-time pastor. Until the day I was brought before the university, send it. I told my son, I said, go to university and make a difference. Remember the son of whom you are. If I had a daughter, I would tell my daughter, go to that campus. Don't go there and lose your virginity. If you are still a virgin in my house, go there and come out. I went through that campus and I never had sex till I left school. And I knew, I'm serious. Why are young men doing that as if lack of sex will kill you? I went through school, no sex. I don't believe in fornication. And I'm serious. I was already filled with the Holy Ghost before I wrote my jump. And I went to school, came out, no sex. But I found a lot of my roommates bringing in girls. I'm coming from fellowship, campus fellowship. And I, my roommate will lock me out. And by the window, I'm hearing girls screaming, sex is going on in my room. And I brought it up. Who told you to do that? We have to bring the potter. You know what they call Potter? We brought him there. You don't do that. A room that I speak in tongues, you are falling. Oh my God, somebody shout hallelujah. People say they are born again. There is no change anymore. What kind of born again is even happening these days? It was not like that in my time. I don't know. That makes me want to cry, but I'm not going to cry today. Please, talk to your kids. Don't go to campus and impregnate a girl. Don't mess up some parents' daughters. Oh, imagine one stupid teenager impregnate your daughter. You would like that? 
waving the blood-stained banner of Jesus wherever you go. There must be discipline in the house of God. Pastors are sleeping with church members' wives. And they are sleeping having boldness. Don't be pretty. You slept with so many girls. In the church. You are, you are, do you know I can't even do that? I'm like, how am I going to fail? God forbid I should sleep with any of you here. Hmm. Hmm. God I can't even. If that means when I'm preaching, I won't look aside. I will be preaching only to this side. Because if I see you, I'm, I'm going to drop boldness and confidence with, with, I can't, I don't know, so pastor's conscience is dead. Dead. They are preaching and they are even laying hands on the guy they slept with yesterday. And they say, Bokolo, Bobo, and you slept with the guy? Shut up your Bokolo mouth. It's in eternity when we get to heaven that you will ever be able to thank me enough. And that your son, when I see him in heaven, will give me a very good hug and say, Daddy, you were my spiritual daddy when we were on earth. Without you preaching the truth, I couldn't have been in this heaven. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm not looking for anybody to buy me anything. I, I, I just want you to respond to what I preach. There's so much blessings and, and rewards that heaven has to give to me. I want God to say to me, well done son, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want anybody to clap for me. I want the angels alone to clap for me. If there's any need for that. See, we pray for people here today now. You saw them falling under the anointing. That they failed us is not proof that I am a genuine man of God. Let me tell you the truth. Number one, God did not send us to go and fall people down. He called us to raise people up. That's the first thing. But sometimes in the process of reconstruction, you first have some destruction. There are some part of you want to destroy. I no longer want this part of the building. This last room, I think it's too close to the road. Cut it off. Got out. Government got out soon past there. You can do like you are destroying a house, but you are you are actually remodeling the house. America say remodel, remodeling. We say remodel. In God trying to raise you up to be what He wants you to be, in the physical you can go under the anointing. There is something when He wanted to bring out a woman, He had to make Adam to fall under the anointing. And when the man was down, He brought out a rib and fashioned Eve and woke him up from that been slain in the Holy Ghost and said and allow him to to respond. Adam saw Eve and made some statements. What happened? First being slain in the spirit in the garden. So it is scriptural to see somebody going under the anointing when God is trying to mold something out of the person's life. But men of God should not think that laying hands and somebody fall is the exclusive preserve of holy men. Even evil men or native doctors can also lay hands or they don't even lay hands. A native doctor talk and just say, and you fall. So don't use those things to judge him. Say, ah, that pastor has power. He's a man of God. If he just do like this, people go fall. You are walking by sight. Even a native doctor can do that. Those we pray for today, they fell down. But don't clap for us. That is what makes us men of God. 
Because we could well be using that with jars. Because some pastors went to collect some of the so-called wedding rings. Some pastors wear. Not be other it. They submit it to native doctors. It's the wedding ring, but submit it. After three days, go and collect it and pay the native doctor. Native doctor have cooked something in your wedding ring. And they come to church and say, Hey, reset! They don't like me. They must hear that truth. I was born for this. I was born for this thing I'm doing. It's a crusade. The truth must be heard in the Nigerian church. There's lies everywhere. This culture does not grow too much. They, they won't like to come here. They want to place where they'll be fed lies. People like to be told lies. Does it mean God cannot, a man of God cannot do like this and people will fall? It's also possible. What I'm saying is that men of God now discover that a time came in the body of Christ when if it is not spectacular, it is not supernatural. So they started wanting to do something. Some, some, some went to Côte d'Ivoire to collect juju. And then they, every, ah, one man of God came as a guest speaker in a church. And before they could usher him, choir was already singing. And, 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 and the man of God wanted to ease himself for the last time before they, 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 they go to, the, to join the service. And the, the toilet that that pastor uses to wash on is that soap is a soap manufactured in a, in a fact, real factory. But he took the soap to a native doctor. And they would do things on it and put it in the, in the wash basin. Pastor, the last thing they will do is to use that to, to, to wash on before he joined the service. Because our worship is already going on, praying and waiting for pastor. Is washing soap, uh, washing her with warm, special soap, with special power from Akure Ekiti, native doctor. Akure on those things. And then the guest speaker didn't know. He used the soap. Himself has a church, or he has been preaching in his church. He has never seen that level of anointing sweeping people. They say it's time to welcome the guest speaker to the microphone. Came forward. He has used that soap unknowingly. The demon of that soap will fasting to you. The thing worded by native doctor is that whoever uses this soap, when it does like this, people will fall in mass. And so he just came, they just gave me the microphone and said, Praise the Lord, somebody. Ah! <laughs> ah, the pastor was himself for surprise. He said, I never even started to preach self. I just said, Praise the Lord. So when he did that, he praised the Lord. <laughs> on that side just fell. Ah, he was wondering. Okay, make a note it up. He was wondering. Though, people don't know him. Said, don't they wonder? But he's trying to say, ah, do I have this kind of anointing? Shout hallelujah, somebody. The people just fall. The guy shocked. He looked at the, the host pastor. The host pastor was be- The host pastor said, don't they suspect? Say, ah, that's my friend. I don't go in church before. I never seen him get this kind of anointing. He started wanting to be used at my soul. They went to the pastor's office to take refreshment. Say, man of God, ah, God used you today. Our brethren are so blessed. Thank you for coming. He said, I must be honest with you. I've never seen this level of flow in my life before, not in my church. And then the host pastor said, before I forget, did you by chance? Use that toilet today? He said, Yes, I used myself before I went to. He said, Did you use the soap? He said, Yes. He said, Ah, no wonder. You used the soap. 
The man said, what, what, do, what do you mean by that? Ah! No wonder, the kind of, the kind of dangerous anointing will come to flow through you today. He said, the secret is that so cool. The man said, you mean? Ah! I won't come to this church again, my friend. You are allowed to let devil use me. They were quarreling. You know. They don't like me. They call me market spoiler. Yeah, because they are, they are doing market. Not the ministry that they do market. They don't like me. I will expose them. Let any native daughter that have ever seen me in the shrine or any occult master that has ever seen me in the alcohol, let him come and mention my name. What, has, what business has packed up with, with Juju? And if the pulpit is corrupt, the pews will not be clean. The sin on the pulpit and sin on the pews. Corruption. And when you talk like this, you don't grow the fastest church in Lagos. You don't. Cancer grows. Fibroid grows. There are some terrible kinds of growths. I don't want it here. And if you are allergic to the truth, this is not your church. Stand up, everybody. Stand up. 